The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Not harming living beings. The actual idea is sentient beings. So there was a question about what about weeding and things like that. So um, it's sentient beings for one thing. And for another thing, it's quite realistic in terms of understanding how life really works and that life, life feeds on life. It's made of life. You know, you can't farm without killing insects. And so it's the intention to harm is what we're looking at. Not accidentally or in the process of simply what it takes to live, you know, taking other life. Because I always work with that in terms of some kind of little little or large other being is going to get me someday. So how can I understand myself as part of this give and take of life, you know? And uh, so anyway, just to clarify that you don't have to go around worrying about weeds or, you know, accidentally driving over an earthworm or something today. So, anyway. Betsy. Can you address why um, the fifth precept, intoxication, is not considered an action? Yeah. Um, I don't... I think it's, uh, I don't have any definitive answer on why it's not in this list, but what I usually hear, the five precepts are these three that we talked about, plus wise speech, which is its own whole thing, and not uh, clouding the mind with intoxicants. And that is not put under right action. I really don't know any textual reason why not. The explanation I've usually heard is that the reason for looking at that is that it makes you more likely to do the other three, which really cause harm. No, well, the reason why it's in the precepts. Oh, yes, because it's such a precursor. It's such a precursor to acting unwisely in these other three ways. But these other three ways are really the harm-causing, and the, the alcohol is one among many factors that could make a person more likely to act out in these other ways. And so that's all I have to add about that. But you're certainly welcome to bear in mind that... This is a practice of clarifying our minds, not clouding our minds. And so see how, see how that, it's been interesting to see how that fits in with, you know, whatever your alcohol use pattern might be. So um, I'm going to talk about um, acting wisely, acting from integrity wise acting and how other factors of the Eightfold Path support wise action. Um, before starting with, you know, going through, through the list of these factors, I want to say, you know, in terms of, of, of the precepts and how everything integrates, uh, please be, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. We're human beings. And, um, you know, I've been in many situations where I have caused harm and I have been um, the receiver of harm from other people. And there are other practices within the path that help us sustain and recommit and, and heal and, and, you know, Keep walking the path, engaging in, in the path. So be gentle to yourself and, and know that, you know, it's, it's through the repetition, it's through the recommitting, it's, it's through the engagement um, 
of these precepts and, and other wise actions and engaging into the different factors that, you know, we, we um, shift into moving into, towards liberation. So why is acting, acting from integrity? First, um, this word of integrity, what does it mean? What does it mean to you? Um, looking in the dictionary, you know, it, there's a definition of becoming whole, becoming um, complete. Um, for me, integrity also has a definition. I translate that into being aligned, becoming aligned with my actions, actions and principles and beliefs and everything that uh, comes into my life become aligned and, and living from a place of uh, maybe values that I have chosen to live by and in this case some, some perspectives that the Eightfold Path has provided. And also to live accountably live living in an accountable way, um, mainly to, to me and, and to others and to the world as I engage into the path. So we started with wise view. And we talked about in wise view how our actions are consequential. You know, they're not independent, isolated, but that there, there are some consequences of our actions. And we also talked about the Four Noble Truths. And um, then we talked about wise intention. And we talked about how through goodwill, compassion, and letting go, letting go of the grip of clinging and renunciation or you know, releasing that clinging. We can also move towards um, liberation. So those two factors, um, and talking also then uh, about how we speak to us and how we speak to others, sustain wise action. So depending how, what it is here, this could be a little shaky, and for people that will listen to this talk, I have kind of a triangle of two cups holding the cup of wise action. Then, you know, it will, it will sustain that action. It will be the foundation of that action, I would say, in different ways. Now, that is not to say that the other factors you know, do not have anything to do with how we manifest wise action. Um, there, uh, there is, um, there is livelihood, there is effort, there is mindfulness, and there is concentration. So, you will see that it's not that clean, you know, to, oh, it's going to be one after the other. So what I'm going to do now is just mainly kind of give you a, a brief introduction of each 
and a little bit of a testimonial based on life experiences. Um, so Wise View, how does it support? And let me, um, uh, what I'm talking, when I'm talking about Wise View or that, that adjective of, of the factor wise or right, uh, I'm talking about um, also a synonym could be skillful. What is skillful? And skillful, the Buddha defines as what is beneficial, um, what is wise, what is beneficial to oneself, to others, and to all. Not only you or is, is beneficial to you, but not to me, no. Is wise would be what is beneficial to oneself, others, and everyone. So, um, so when we're taking actions, it may be um, why, especially if there, we see any kind of struggle or something going on that you're like, I don't know if I'm going to do this or not. What are the what what are the perspectives? What are the beliefs that are underneath those actions that you're underlying those actions making, you know, that are helping you to make the decision to act, to stand up. What, what are the beliefs? What, how, how it is supporting you? Are there beliefs based on greed, hatred, delusion, or um, maybe um, is there anything in regards to how do you see yourself? You know, are you trying to defend a point of view or um, what is there? What is there for you? Um, in terms of intention, and, and I will say also inten intention is when when we are taking that action, what is preceding, what is preceding that action, that intention will be like the compass for us. It, the intention is like the compass, the view may be like the map or the journey uh, route that you want to take. But that intention, what is there? What is motivating your intention? What and, and how you're manifesting that intention. Is there an intention of goodwill and understanding? You know, especially when um, we're taking action on something that is different from us or um, something that, that we're not familiarized with. So... Um, is there a loving kindness and respect? Is there any kind of um, clinging in achieving something? If there's an expectation there, you know, is there's a goal? What is, what is your intention? Is it wise intention? Um,
there have been some, some times where I have been conflicted, you know, with in taking, taking an action because there have been different intentions going on. Oh, I want, <clears throat> I want to create, you know, there's goodness. I want to create something good for the world here. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm exhausted. You know, how, how does this work? You know, how... So those moments are great moments for practice, for engaging the path into, um, into seeing, into... And this is a nonlinear moment of the Eightfold Path. Jumping into mindfulness, what's happening? What's going on here for me? What is the conflict internal? internally here what is going on what i'm feeling what 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 um what thoughts are passing through this mind you know what is what is in the body and i have seen that in terms of finally taking the action the stronger intention takes the lead the stronger intention takes the lead. So as you develop the practice, as you engage into the path, you may see that it, will, it may be very important in different moments to practice in a different, in, in, in one way. And there are other times that you will practice with other things. Like right now, um, practicing white speech is really important to me. So, and, and with that is the intention of appreciation and speaking with respect and speaking the truth accountably. You know, that doesn't mean that people that are going to listen to me will like what I'm going to say or the same thing to me. But also how you hold that action, how you act, takes, it's really important, too. So, um, so I just gave you an example of speaking. Um, Also speaking, you know, do we have a sense of curiosity and appreciation? I spent, um, in the past weeks, I spent a lot of time with family members I haven't seen in a, in, in a very long time. And um, I was so happy that this practice was there in that moment, in a moment of chaos. In a moment of chaos, I'm like, non-harming, non-harming. Where's the conflict? No conflict is here. It's here, I'm here, I'm grounded, I'm here. What's going on? The, what is the mindfulness here? Mindfulness of emotion. Was, was what emotion is happening here? Um, what, are, what are the thoughts? Gosh, I was really, really clinging to every single opinion and solidifying everyone that grew up with me for, you know, for a long time, and I wanted them to be that same person from 25 years ago. It's incredible. It was really, you know, at some point I took myself lightly and I'm like, wow, 
are you the same person that you were 25 years ago? <laughs> it's like, no, I eat differently. I eat some, you know, there's some main things, you know. I was expecting that my mother will cook the f my favorite meal. And I was like, right, you know, they're waiting for that, and it was not happening. <laughs> and in fact, it didn't happen. At some point, I realized, Bruni, it's not going to happen. She doesn't have the same energy, the same. And I'm like, what about if you cook the meal and you invite them, you know? It's a change. You say, you know, so that view of solidification and, and permanence, that things are going to be like that, you know, those moments are, uh, it was a beautiful moment that, that when that thought ar arose, you know, do you want it? Why you don't cook it? How, she taught you how to cook it. So, um, what else? Um, So there are also moments within talking now about action itself that we don't know how we're going to act. You know, there are situations, you know, maybe we're going through life transitions and we just don't know. Or there are some events that are really impactful and it takes, uh, takes some time for us to go back to our senses and to really have a moment of stillness and clarity to see how we're going to act. What is the best thing here to do for the goodness of all? And again, that is a nonlinear moment of mindfulness. That's a, that's a moment of, oh, let me go back and it's going to fall too. There is going to be, um, it's going to take different forms, <laughs> you know, so we go back to the four uh, foundations of mindfulness, you know, what is here for us, what is, what is in this body, what is this body receiving, you know, what is, what is, uh, what are the sensations what, how this experience is manifesting in the body. Um, mindfulness of emotions. Is this pleasant or not pleasant or neutral? And what other emotions come? Anger has a lot of energy. And it's a valid emotion. You know, it, it, it has a lot of information for us. It tells us a lot. So um, to acknowledge those emotions are, are really important too. Now the question is, in terms of acting, is it wise? You know, is it wise to act in a moment of anger? It, would it be more beneficial to act from a moment of anger than acting from a moment of clarity and equanimity? And I'm not talking about, you know, diminishing, you know, the strength or the impact of that action, but how does it compare? 
So another linear moment, I mean nonlinear moment. Our practice of meditation and the factor of concentration in the Eightfold Path, we will talk about it later in the program. So concentration and meditation through meditation will give us an opportunity to still the mind, to collect the mind, to maybe have some space to really be able to stand up in a moment of lot of, you know, lot of uh, impact for us, and it could be negative or positive. You know, it could be if we, if we make that duality, you know, in, in categorizing the experience that way. Um, if we take a moment to see if we can meditate and relax and realize, you know, I'm not going to resolve this now. This is this may not be this is this may not work out on your time, Bruni. This may not be a moment of success for you or accomplishment or getting what you want. But can I make a moment, you know, take a moment there and have the intention of self compassion and Relax and see, take a moment to go back to the breath, to go back to this body, to go back to these emotions, and to go back to any kind of state of mind that came into that experience. And with repetition, with the continuity, even if it is a minute, that continuity continues to build up, continues to build up, continues to water the seeds that you want to bear fruit. Maybe it's not being worried about the results but really about what is being cultivated there, what is nourished, maybe what is important. You know, just like we have a wound, we, we clean it, but the wound, it takes its time through all the different processes that we have in our body for that wound to heal. Or as the farm cultivates the land, And the fruit drops from the tree when it's ready. So, um, as you see, I have mentioned mindfulness several times. And um, what time is it? Yes. and and I want to mention is 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 kind of a is is kind of the, also a container is is kind of you know what is also as is one factor of the path but also it can hold all the other factors 
that are in the Eightfold Path. Going back to it, going back to our practice of mindfulness, we cultivate confidence, we cultivate faith, however you want to call it. And um, we cultivate peace here. Um, I want to read to you um, something that I love, this, the teachings of this monk, um, Maha Gosananda, the father, there, he's called still, he passed in the, I can't remember, in the late 90s, but um, he said this about the suffering of Cambodia after the genocide that happened in Cambodia. The suffering of Cambodia has been deep. From this suffering comes great compassion. Great compassion makes a peaceful heart. A peaceful heart makes a peaceful person. A peaceful person makes a peaceful family. A peaceful family makes a peaceful community. A peaceful community makes a peaceful nation. A peaceful nation makes a peaceful world. May all, may all beings live in happiness and peace. So, for noble truths, looking at our suffering, compassion, one of wise intention, cultivating peace through our practice, throughout all these different actions that we take to engage in the path. Um, let's see. Um, there's also, I will say one more thing, and that is effort the factor of effort that we will also talk about it in the program. So there are four types of efforts, and they may come at different times for you, for you to practice with them. There's the, there's the effort to prevent. There's the effort to overcome. There is the effort of arouse or uh, cultivate wholesome qualities. And there is the effort of maintaining those wholesome qualities. So all those different efforts, you know, in conjunction with mindfulness efforts and concentration, we will be talking about those. But um, all those efforts, can, we can choose. We can choose what, what we need in terms of effort, in, in terms of engaging in the path. When we're starting, sometime, when we're starting something, sometimes we put a lot of effort at the beginning. And at some time, we need to see, well, what is the balance here? If it is too much or not too, too, you know, too little, what is, what is necessary here? Thank you, that's a good, that's 
That was good because I have to end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so um, all the different factors support wise action, and um, all other factors support each other. So, by practicing in a linear or non-linear way, whatever works for you, engage. Engage in it. Trust. Trust in the path. Trust and engagement. Engagement will be a wise action. So, now we're going to into the breakout section. Yeah. Okay. So this time, um, <clears throat> find yourself a group of three other people so that you form groups of four. There may be a few groups of five, but uh, first start with group of four and find a place to be in the room. And then um, we will demonstrate what we're going to do. <laughs> so. Go ahead. So just to test whether you're awake or not, we're going to do a repeating question format, but in a round. So um, the, we're going to have two different sets of questions. So I'll just give you one at a time. And the first one will be, one of you will ask the person next to you, one at a time, um, how do you feel when you're acting with integrity? So I'll present that to Chris, and Chris will calm. And then she will ask How do you feel when you are acting with integrity? Energized. How do you feel this when you're acting with integrity? Peaceful. How do you feel when you're acting with integrity? So you see, you just keep going around. Now, an important thing with this is there's no crosstalk. Just this is a different kind of mindful speaking and listening. Only one person is asking and one person is answering at a time. Allow yourselves time to be with it, to get that feeling. You don't need to rush at this. So give your answerer plenty of time to answer the question. And don't chit-chat between. Just do it this simple way that we just did it. So the first question, and you'll have, excuse me, you have a question? Not at all. You could give a sentence if you had something more to say about how it feels when you're acting with integrity. You answer as short or long as comes up for you. Of course, not probably not an entire novel, but you know. Um, now we're going to have about... Ten minutes for this. Wait a minute. No, that's a little bit too much. We're going to have a five minutes for this round. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this question. It's sort of a taste of this. So I'll ring the bell, and then I'm going to give you an, a next question. So just start with, how does it feel when you're acting with integrity? Okay. Wow, that, 
<clears throat> that was interesting, going from the discipline of just asking and answering the question to feel the energy uh, rise in the room. So I guess you're having some fun with this. So the next question to do in the same kind of round is, predictably, how do I feel when I am not acting with integrity or when I'm not sure? How do I feel when I'm not acting with integrity or I'm just not sure? So please do the same thing. You have about the same amount of time. So take a moment to thank your partners and then come back to the big group, please. So it might be nice to, um, it might be nice to give you some time. <laughs> We get excited and we want to go on to the next thing. And, and this is such a rich discussion. Yeah, we got a timetable. Um, so I just want to invite you guys to have a couple moments to hear, you know, if anybody would like to share how it was to do that experience um, in your group. We have a few minutes to do that. So. I thought this, this second exercise was lovely, much better than the first one. Um, I think the first one was just very difficult. Um, just didn't feel like it was gelling. Um, I think it needs to be tweaked. But this one just was flowing so beautifully. Um, there was a nice touch that we added as we said each other's name every time. And we reversed. So we got to say you know, a different name. I just created this really beautiful net. Sounds like the exercise had integrity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure why this is the case, but I found in the second exercise that um, I was uh, getting embodied reactions, and I'm really f in favor of that. In other words, um, there wasn't enough time, maybe it was, for the mind to kind of like pick something necessarily. And so uh, I found that very useful. It made me more present to feelings and sensations, and uh, I appreciated that about the exercise. Thank you. There was kind of an interesting congruity for the first exercise and the second exercise. Um, one word that we liked as a group was harmony um, and how harmonious is integrity. Um, and I think the corollary in the, um, when we were not in accord with our own integrity was, was a wanting harmony that wasn't available. And that led to overly complicated communication. Yeah, I was just thinking it, it feels like for a lot of people this was extremely uh, 
it, this went really well, this second exercise, and I was just thinking why that, that was. And perhaps, the, for me, there were two, two, two things that came to mind. Is one is you showing us, like giving an example and keeping the answers concise, and even just the way you asked the question was really helpful in just then we were particularly mindful about how we were doing this. And then there's also the form of the exercise where we're answering the question, but also asking that same question to the other people. And so it didn't feel like we're answering you and trying to come up with an elaborate answer. And it felt much more like balanced and yeah, sharing. Yeah. So that was great. At least that's my take on it. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I don't know. We had a decadal mix in our group. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that I realized is acting in with integrity was sometimes difficult and required a sense of self-sacrifice or in sacrifice of one's self-interest and not acting without integrity or being unsure was also difficult and included a sense of acting in one's self-interest and without that restraint. But for me, the equating factor was the effort that was required. So for our group, we didn't want to discuss what the uncertainty of it. We stayed with what it felt like. Um, we thought we would get to the other part, but we never did. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And, and the thing that was most interesting to me was how my thinking was changing as it went around and hearing other people. I thought that was the kind of powerful thing about that technique. But I also thought in many ways it was a false business because you feel something when something happens that is an individual thing in the moment not integrity over 74 years, of which there has been a, con a continuity of unbelievable wonderfulness. Or I'm lying, I, one or the other. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we also have time now. Um, if you have further reflections about the exercise, that's great. And we also have time for questions and answers in general about this whole area of right action and what you've heard this afternoon. So... What she said kind of prompted to me that um, I didn't know what it meant or to be unsure. What did you mean by that? Um, it can it, Raise your hand in this room if you've ever been unsure whether something was right 
as an action or, you know, you were proceeding with confidence. So integrity can be both, um, you know, a feeling of connectedness with your values. And there are times when there's no black and white answers or no clarity and we proceed with Okay. All right. Well, see, that's good, good to know. Good to know. So that, that was the intention. First of all, I would like to thank you for opening this space up for us to explore and commune and enjoy a beautiful Sunday together. So thank you very much for all the insight and the wisdom and the beauty in that. And it's been fun so far. So um, reflecting earlier on what helps us to reframe from harm or taking what's not offered or sexual misconduct when tempted and exploring the aspects of, of right action. Um, when it comes to when it comes to situations where you're wanting to act out of compassion for people that really need it, yet the behaviors are maybe more exaggerated, right? And harm is is one of those things. How does one act with a way that refrains from causing a person harm and is in, in a way with great intentions, right? Um, so in other words, it, how, how, do you, how do you interact with individuals that are very challenging individuals with a way that has integrity that doesn't cause harm? So you're in a room, someone's raging at you, what do you do? Um, so mindfulness, eightfold path, you know, in those moments you can say eightfold path, let me go through the list. You can have it in your pocket to see which one, but, um, what comes immediately to mind is wise effort and wise effort, um, the ones of, um, preventing and, um, overcoming and, um, cultivating wholesome qualities on others about from others and wholesome qualities in ourselves and um what was the uh, maintaining maintaining those qualities so when we know you know there have been situations in which i know i'm going to meet with someone that i i i'm not that skillful to you know taking responsibility for how i will act i'm like this is a challenge for me so I go into wise effort. I, I prepare myself. I, okay, this is, let me see what qualities I can see in this person that I can, that I can, I can appreciate. Because that will help me to set the, the container, how I'm going to interact. What is the tone? What is the attitude that I'm going to present if I want to act out of respect, compa compassion, um, dignity, um, and then in maintaining that wise effort, you know, during that conversation, staying aware, staying aware, going back to the body, 
going back to the body, remember the intention of goodwill, goodwill, goodwill. I mean, is wise effort, I, I think it is important in those situations. Um, I just read some a very interesting um, reflection on it's a whole book by one of my favorite people named Paul Fleischman, and it's called The Buddha Taught Nonviolence, Not Pacifism. And it's, it's his distinction that he's making between um, you know, not being a doormat and not doing nothing and not being violent. And he was raising the really interesting question about you know, people who are in the police and military and things like that, functions that we expect people to perform in society, how can they be Dharma practitioners and you know, do this kind of work? And so looking at when you're coming from hate, when you're letting hatred and ill, it's kind of what Bernie was saying, but when you're letting hatred and aversion into your action, you might need to take a very strong action to stop someone who is, you know, if someone is, yeah, I don't know, hurting people, you know, and you're there and you want to take a strong action to stop them. And it's, it's not your intention to cause harm, it's your intention to prevent harm. And it's not coming from hatred, it's coming from a kind of clarity and strength about what you need to do. You know, so that's a very interesting area of question, of looking at what's triggered in us when someone else is acting out. You know, what is that triggering our own fear and, you know, where are we acting from? And then there's, um, you know, there are situations where you maybe can't do anything without really coming from that energy. Then there's some equanimity with this is the way it is right now and there isn't something that I can do and you can disengage from the situation. And, you know, so it's, it's a lot of, it's a really rich area to explore. And <clears throat> I take some inspiration from the Sutta to Rahula, in a, that Chris mentioned, in a little bit different way. So we can notice before we're in a situation as much as we can about it. While we're in the situation, notice what we can about it. And also after a situation, what can we reflect on? I think that's really useful because what we reflect on later then feeds into the next time we're in that situation. So just using, you know, not being perfectionistic about yourself, but... Uh, allowing yourself to notice what you can when you can and then just keep feeding that back into your ability to act or your ability to hold right effort or wise intention in this world. It's a complicated world. You know, there aren't these straightforward, simple answers sometimes when you're in situations. Just one other thing that occurs to me, not so much for the maybe the situation that you mentioned, but... Causing harm, not causing harm is not the same as just pleasing everybody or doing what everybody else wants. You know, other people can become coming from unwise places and their own desires and their own wishes. And it's not, it's not about just, uh, you know, placating everyone with what they want. So they may feel harmed, but they may later realize, or they may or may not realize, but, you know, they can, whether they, what they feel is their practice and what... <laughs> What you feel that you're coming from as best you can is your practice. But then there is this looking later, you know, so you could learn later, oh, I was insensitive about something, there was something I did there that caused harm. 
that maybe there was some way I could have avoided that you can learn, you know. So it's an ongoing learning process. Thank you. I just have one quick thing. Uh, two things that, oops, don't fall down. They've been very helpful to me in my practice in the last couple of in the last year or so. And the first is to recognize that everyone I run into is suffering. And that leads to a certain, just by itself, a certain amount of compassion. And then something one of our teachers, one of my teachers, has, uh, has said over and over again, whatever else is going on, try not to make it worse. Great summary, thank you. Anyone else? Yes. So on the subject of um, not taking what's not freely offered, so I love the example of the monastic um, um, not looking at a magazine unless it's specifically offered. And um, in, in my world, I'm not going to be that. Um, so if I want something, I'm going to propose it or ask for it. Um, so, But I didn't hear any words in the language of the Dharma talking about that. And so I would like to hear some words... Um, that talk about that. Yeah, I, th- I, uh, whoa. Yeah, monastics definitely have a whole different level of practice than lay people have. And so it's not, you know, you, you don't have to not ask for things, you know. it's It's entirely a question of becoming aware of this issue, you know? So it's quite appropriate in some cases to ask for what you need, and, you know, we work with that a lot. And in other cases, maybe it's not so much, you know? So if you go to someone's house for dinner and they've prepared dinner for you, maybe it's not so appropriate to ask for all your things you would prefer to have, you know? And and can you add more spice to this or less spice or something? You know, you work with what's there as much as you can, unless it's going to kill you or really harm you in some way. You know, so maybe somebody else would think that example falls somewhere else on the scale, but it's one that came to mind. You know, so we can just... It's really a matter... is it's not laying down specific rules, but it's inviting us to deepen our sensitivity on the question, you know, and not to start judging ourselves for being, for not doing it well enough, but just to really wonder, you know, the world is a very complex place and it's not a black and white situation by any means. So I don't know of anything else specifically that's described in the suttas on this. They are a lot oriented to monastics. But, yeah. I have a thought about that. One of the notes said... Yeah, a lot of people listen from to the oh, recordings. So one of the this. notes that we were talking about right when you were speaking about that was being ready to accept what is offered. And I know that at times I'm like, oh, no, 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 thank you anyways. But that is that's obviously blocking that person from giving. 
So I think it's it, I think it's important to be mindful to not for me to not be embarrassed to say oh thank you so much that would be lovely, <laughs> and be prepared and mindful of the generosity. Um, you know, but I am the type of person too that will ask if I can see the magazine or. Um, so there's maybe a balance between. Yeah, and that's considered polite interest in most people's houses. Most people would be happy that that you're interested in something, you know. So it's not. It's all gets back to intention. You know, everything rests on the intention and on your awareness to, you know, how the other person might feel about it. Where does asking for help? falls in this. When it's not given. When it's not freely given, mm. to ask for it. Mm -hmm. so. oh. Can you ask again? I thought... I thought I, I, yeah. I heard... I was wondering... asking for help? Or? Yeah, asking for help when it's not fully given, so... Someone is not proposing to help. Okay. So, um, I, I see asking for help as a way to take care of ourselves. You know, it's part of, of, of also that what is beneficial, what is beneficial, a wise person will choose what is beneficial for oneself, what is beneficial for others, what is beneficial for all. So including ourselves, you know, knowing I, I may, I can ask for help, you know, and, and at that moment, I, maybe I choose, you know, based on, oh, let me ask Chris, and, you know, she's, she's a friend, and, um, and, you know, if I, this, she may be able to help me, and if, if she's okay with that, it's beneficial also for her, great. So that's how I... You know, you, you would have to be prepared to take no for an answer, yeah. you know, in, in situations. There's asking and demanding, and you know, and there's situations where it's, you know, it's a lot of unfairness in our society, and we can think maybe demanding is appropriate, but is it effective? You know, is it really getting... Does that attitude get get the help you need, or... What you know? So really looking at understanding more deeply how people work, <laughs> how, you know how people respond to these things. Yeah. Could I first? Uh, I just wanted to add one thing, and that is that um, <clears throat> it's it's such a huge practice, I think, to ask for what you want, to ask for help, and then the second part of the huge practice is how the other people, person respond or people respond and then what happens inside. My gosh, it's a little too rich, that practice. <laughs> um, we are past our 3.30 ending time and perhaps want to invite us all to continue the discussion over some tea and snacks. So you may have more questions. Please, please feel free and let's, let's enjoy um, spending some time together. <laughs>